Hello and good morning. Welcome to the CRS News Podcast. I'm here with Camino Motera Martinez, the CRS JHA expert and our ICE in in Brussels. Uh, Camino, currently you're working a lot on counterterrorism and the migration crisis, which uh, makes this chat very timely that we should sit down and uh, talk about these issues because, of course, on Monday the details of the migration pact crafted by Germany and Turkey were released. And there has been quite a lot of talk on the power dynamics behind this deal, but the summit does fit into a broader debate on the sustainability of the Schengen Agreement in Europe. And that's what you're going to talk about in a minute, I think, Camino. Uh, maybe first of all, though, you could quickly walk us through what has been agreed at the beginning of this week. Yeah, good morning, Sophia. I think this is a very timely discussion indeed, uh, because we are just fresh out of yet another emergency summit. Um, wonder when we'll be the next one, right? Mm. Maybe tomorrow? No one knows. Crisis after crisis. Crisis after crisis, not sleeping at all. Um, <laughs> well, um, as you say, uh, the new deal with Turkey has been agreed basically a couple of days ago. Um, and as you also say very rightly, it's been crafted by Angela Merkel and it's caused a bit of a problem uh, with diplomacy here in Brussels, uh, right. because as you know as well, there were some other deals on the table that were afterwards being taken over uh, by this deal uh, with Turkey. Um, what Merkel agreed with uh, with his her Turkish counterparts and eventually approved by the European Council has been to do a return of all economic migrants and asylum seekers as well. Okay, that that's a surprise, isn't it? That it's not just economic migrants, but also, in the broader sense, all asylum seekers. Yeah, it is a surprise, and I don't think it's only a surprise for us. I think it's a surprise for many people involved in the in the meeting right. as well. Uh, but yes, this is what uh, it was agreed, to return every uh, asylum seeker that arrives um, illegally in Greece. Mm -hmm. And by definition... Everybody that is an asylum seeker arriving in Greece is arriving illegally because there are no legal routes uh, right now to get asylum in the European Union unless you actually go to the European Union. Um, so you will have all these people return to Turkey. In exchange for that, the European Union would do what they call the one-per-one one policy. So it's for each asylum seeker that will return to Turkey, we will resettle Uh, one asylum seeker from Turkey. But it's not going to be the same guy. It's not going to be the same guy. It's not going to be we send uh, Mr. X and we take Mr. X back because that mm -hmm. would make little sense, although I'm not really sure the deal makes much more sense. <laughs> But um, no, we're going to have uh, possibly, well, details of the deal are not uh, completely uh, um, done yet. Uh, so we, we're not really sure how some of the things are going to work, but basically the idea is to have some of the uh, places of the relocation mechanism that was agreed in 2015, um, possibly those who were, which were supposed to be given to Hungary, right. uh, possibly use those relocation places to get people from Turkey to member states in the European Union. Okay. So that's one of the things that we have agreed with Turkey. In exchange for all this help, Uh, we are going to give, when I say we, obviously it's not me who is going to foot the bill, <laughs> but the European Union is going to give Turkey three more billion euros uh, on top of the three billion euros that were agreed already. So we're talking about six billion euros. Yeah. 
and they will also um, speed up the process for visa liberalization so that Turks can come to Europe without needing uh, a visa and uh, they will possibly as well reopen uh, think about the chapters of accession and that's uh, I think one of the most delicate political uh, issues in this deal yeah. because many member states as you know are opposed to Turkey's accession not least uh, Cyprus for example. So a good deal for Turkey then. Um, we shall talk about whether it's also a good deal for the European uh, Schengen Agreement. Um, I think two questions in the aftermath of this deal have been asked a lot. So first of all, is it legal to send refugees back to Turkey the way that it's being foreseen uh, in this agreement? And second of all, is it logistically possible? So for example, we keep hearing stories that countries like Greece are lacking the capabilities to register and process the migrants in the hotspots that have that were supposed to be running by now. And uh, we also know that there are a lot of difficulties with the resettlement procedures from Turkey and the returns to the countries of origin of the migrants. So how do you see that working out over the next couple of weeks? Because it's a short time frame that we're working in right now. Right. It's not only that we are aiming at something very difficult, but we also want to do it now. Yeah. Um, obviously for political reasons. Um, the legality of the whole deal, I think I'm not the only one uh, questioning it. I think the UNCR has uh, already done that. And uh, I think uh, some people in the institutions themselves are questioning the legality because... Uh, as you know, asylum is uh, is governed by international public law, so it's governed by something called the Geneva Convention uh, that forces, so to speak, uh, the signatories of, of the convention to actually take uh, asylum seekers. Um, this convention was done for the Second World War, so it was done for European citizens fleeing the Second World War to America or Canada or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously, in this convention, there are only European citizens that can apply for asylum, which mm. is an irony, I think, at this very moment. Um, a good reminder, though. Yeah, indeed. Uh, there was a protocol that was signed afterwards to extend this protection to other people, and this is what Turkey hasn't signed yet. So Turkey is a signatory uh, of the Geneva Convention, but it hasn't signed the protocol extending the protection to non-European citizens. So refugees arriving in Turkey right now from Syria are not protected by the Geneva Protocol? No, they are protected by other sorts of uh, agreements that Turkey has uh, some sort of protection, but it's not as comprehensive, as, as, as big, so as important, so to speak, uh, as the protection offer by the Geneva Convention. Right. That's the first problem with the legality of the deal. The second problem is this idea of the country, of the safe country, sorry. Um, so as we know also international public law, the Geneva Convention uh, forbids countries to take people back to a country where they cannot be considered safe. And right. that's called the principle of non-refoulement, which is a very nice French uh, expression. <laughs> um, and there are big doubts on whether or not Turkey can be considered a safe country for certain categories of people. Let's think about the courts, so let's think about, sorry to say this, but journalists at, the, at this very moment, people critical with, uh, with, uh, with some of the policies Absolutely. of the government. Yeah. Uh, so what are we going to do with these people? And is the European Union going to breach basic principles of international public law? 
Uh, that, I think, is a very interesting question. And effectively, this is what has been agreed in the deal. So Turkey is considered a safe country, and the that also means that the Dublin uh, procedures that we have in place right now would be extended to Turkey. Is that right? It's a funny. It's a funny thing. Indeed, we are we are extending Dublin to Turkey. So we extending, you know, because people arrive in Turkey, arrive in Greece through Turkey. Uh, so we are extending the the rule of the country first arrival to a country that is not in the European Union and is not a, a member of Dublin with all uh, that that implies, because Dublin is not yeah. only about rules to know who processes asylum seekers, it's also about standard procedures for reception capacities, for how we treat asylum seekers, for how long can we have them in detention centres, um, how do we process their, their applications and everything. And as far as I'm concerned, Turkey is not part of these directives because they are European Union directives. So that's a very interesting uh, question that I think is going to be uh, on the table when we are going to be applying this deal. But the legality, if you wish, uh, we're talking about an emergency situation, so the legality can be ignored for a couple of weeks until somebody you know, brings this to courts. Uh, but what you say, what you mentioned is the practicality, yeah. the operational capacity of the European Union to do this. And I, I do agree with you there that it's going to be very complicated. We are talking about a country that indeed Greece is not able to fingerprint everybody that comes, that is already completely overwhelmed by the people that have already arrived there. And now we are telling Greece, you know, like now we also have to bring people back and how is that going to work? Uh, are, we, are we talking about Frontex led flights, boats? Um, I don't know. I think that's even the people who signed the deal are not really sure about how this is going to work. Uh, but I'm sure that we will see uh, it's prominently in the media uh, in the coming two weeks. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, so we've mentioned Turkey and we've mentioned Greece, but of course in the solution or in a possible solution to this crisis, there's a big responsibility also with other European countries. Um, I'm talking about burden sharing, I'm talking about European solidarity in a broader scheme. So um, the big question in this regard is how can we make the proposed relocation mechanism work? Can it work? Because the deal relies on that uh, actually being put into action, doesn't it? Yeah, sure. I mean, the deal relies on the European Union being able to actually put take people out of Turkey and place them somewhere else that is not basically Germany. Um, can the relocation mechanism work? Well, I think if we are if we base our analysis on empirical data, it can't because we've we've relocated six hundred people out of the one hundred sixty thousand that we've agreed. Uh, two, there, there are uh, challenges in courts at the moment mm -hmm. um, uh, questioning the, the legality of this of this quota system as well. Um, I think for the relocation mechanism to work, it's um, we need to have a better processing of asylum seekers. We need to make sure that we convince countries that we are sending them people who are not a security threat, who are going to be able to integrate and that they have the capacity to absorb them. And I think that that, that was not happening partially due to the fact that the hotspots in Greece and Italy were not really working. Mm. But this is going to happen even less if we leave the whole processing and screening and everything on the hands of a mix of Turkey member states. I don't know if EASO is going to be involved. So I think if we wanted the, the relocation mechanisms to work, probably this deal is the worst thing that we could do uh, to convince member states that they should take 
more people. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you were touching on on another dimension of this of this huge crisis, which is uh, the external border security aspect of it all, and um, putting it, uh, playing devil's advocate a little bit here, uh, why should a country not close its borders if it cannot be sure that it's not criminals, that it's not terrorists posing as refugees that are coming into Europe? And uh, I mean, how many have done that by now? How many have closed their board, have uh, reintroduced border checks? Six, seven? I think we are seven, yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you think should the EU go about this? Can the EU secure its external borders? Well, I think that if we don't secure the external borders, we should forget about Schengen altogether. Uh, and I think that's something that, that I think Donald Tusk has been really criticized, um, has been trying to convey to people for a long time. We cannot talk about uh, burden sharing or Schengen or whatever if we don't talk about securing the external borders. Because yes. Schengen is based on the idea that we have no internal borders, but we've got a reinforcement and a collective management of the external borders. That is not being the case, especially in particularly complicated borders like the Greek one. Um, and I think that we need to do much more. The European Union needs to do much more. Greece needs to do much more um, to actually make sure that this hotspots approach, which is not the best approach, but let's say that it's an emergency. It's what we have right now. Yeah, and we need to make it work. Um, it's actually working so that people are being registered, that we are use, using the databases that we have at our disposal, being the, the Schengen information system, the PUM database with uh, DNA, or, you know, like databases on criminal records and all these sort of things that we have. Because what do these databases do? They tell you, uh, for example, that in the case of, of the PRUM database, they tell you whether you know this uh, this uh, there is has been fingerprints of this person right. um, in some sort of like criminal scenario. Uh, the Eurodac database uh, explains you whether this person has already applied for asylum somewhere else, but they they are also useful for law enforcement purposes. Schengen information system tells you you know like had something has been stolen, something or someone is being wanted, all these kind of things. Um, Obviously, they are not going to be 100% useful for people coming from Syria because we don't necessarily have information from Syria right. on, you know, like um, all, the, all the security threats. But, but the terrorist acts, for example, in Paris have been committed by European citizens who are coming back. So these databases would help with information on them, wouldn't they? Indeed, because they were not refugees, they were, but they were posing as refugees. Yeah. Um, and the security services had information on these people and unfortunately, they failed to actually register them because, you know, because of these failures that I'm telling you that, that that's people are being fingerprinted on the beach uh, by volunteers or what. Well, now things are getting a bit better, but that was the case for a long, long time. Okay. Uh, so, of course, how are you going to screen people uh, properly if you're not doing things you know, in the right way? And how are you going to convince member states to take these people if they are not sure that they have been properly screened and properly assessed yeah. uh, before being sent to them? So I think that's a key thing to, to keep Schengen, if you want, uh, alive. Okay, final question, Camino. We talked about how to keep Schengen alive, what the EU should be doing, what member, member states should be doing. Um, why should we? Why is Schengen important to Europe? Why is Schengen important to us? Why is it important that we work to keep the system going? 
because we can travel without passports. <laughs> uh, no, I'm joking. Um, the Schengen area is not only a question about uh, traveling without a passport or um, a European project or all these sort of things that we hear all the time. It's also a very, very important um, economic uh, pillar of the European Union. Um, it stimulates labor mobility, so it makes countries uh, being closer trading partners. So there is better trades, more trades, more, uh, you want less unemployment because it's easier to move people from one country to another. Right. Um, and, um, and then obviously, it's, it's also underpinning, if you want to be the European project, because most, most European people, when you ask them, and you, not me, but Eurostat, so the Commission, um, does ask people every year what is that they value the most uh, about the European Union. They, they say the ability to actually travel, yeah. live and study and work um, elsewhere. So it's a very important uh, pillar of the European Union, both, both from the economic and from the political point of view. And I think a collapse of Schengen would not only be bad for Europe's economy, but also would uh, boost uh, even more uh, the populist and, uh, and create uh, big problems for the survival of the European project. There's a lot, uh, a lot at stake here uh, yeah. at the moment in Brussels. Thank you so much, Camino, for this. That was uh, very helpful and very informative. And I think you've got a paper coming out on this topic as well. When can we expect that? I have a paper that um, I have to be constantly updating after every <laughs> emergency crisis. So I'm hoping to have it, uh, to have it out uh, by mid-March or more or less. Great. So I look forward to reading that. Thank you so much for talking us through the issue. Thank you.